Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where audiences and critics disagree about movies and we pick sides. With me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello. He declares from a mountaintop. And <laughs> Ricola. <laughs> brought to you by Ricola. And uh, w- coming back to the podcast today, our great friend, the very talented Melanie Rivera Waldman. Oh, hello. hello. Thank you for having me back. Of course. We had so much fun the first time you were on the pod, so we couldn't wait to get you back on. Uh so, Melanie, uh, you know, why, why don't you tell us about what you've been working on lately and what you got uh, in the works? While in quarantine, whilst <laughs> secluded <laughs> mm-hmm. in my own home by myself, I have managed to uh, recently produce a short film with six, several other actors and uh, many talents from both sides of the country to produce a really fun mockumentary called Couples Therapy. So that literally, part of the competition ended yesterday. That's like the very end. So now we wait. It Today is April 6th. We wait until the 29th, I believe. And that's when oh, wow. uh, all the judges' scores come in. They announce the finalists. So, All right. Well, good luck with that. And for everyone, uh, you know, take the time to watch uh, Couples Therapy. Uh, it's a great. It's a great short. Yeah, really cool cast, great short. Um, a couple members of our crew, you know, everybody, we had like 87%. Uh, the purpose of the competition, I should start with, is that everybody on your team, you know, one person has to have disability. So you can have as many crew members and actors as you want. Uh, our cast and crew was 87% disabled. Wow. So that was really fun. That's great. Well, congrats on that, Mel. That's that's really excited to see uh, how that comes out, and hopefully uh, you bring home some some shiny metal trophies to show off. Oh, they are they are glass. Ooh, even <laughs> fancier. It's like what like the bougie people bring home. They're like, like that. If you ever see um Sweet Home Alabama when like lightning hits sand, that like shape. That's what mm-hmm. it looks like. It's really cool. Oh dang! Really oh, cool. So, cross fingers. All right. Well, um, so today we are here to discuss. The uh, 2013 uh, dramedy, The Secret Life of Pets. No, wait, sorry. <laughs> the Secret World of Alex Mack. Oh, wait, one more time. Too culty. Sorry, throwback maybe? I don't know. Uh, the Okay, we're actually here to talk about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, directed and starring Ben Stiller. This movie falls into the category of having a negative score from critics and a positive score from audiences. On Rotten Tomatoes, 51% of critics approved, 71% of audiences approved, so 20% difference there. And the critics' consensus for Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It doesn't lack for ambition, but The Secret Life of Walter Mitty fails to back up its grand designs with enough substance to anchor the spectacle. All right, so, Ouch. you know, kind of giving a little credit there, the critics, like, you know, nice try, I guess, but <laughs> not quite hitting the mark. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But maybe for audiences, uh, it is hitting the mark, so, uh, it seems. 
So, um, I don't know, what do you guys, have you seen uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? This was a first viewing for me, but um, had you guys seen this when it originally came out way back in 2013? I did. Uh, I don't think I saw it in the movie theaters. I think I rented it because I'm a very big Ben Stiller fan. Love him. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I think I I rented it. There are some former movies of his that I'm a huge fan of, and we'll get to that. But uh, this time I, I did watch it again, and uh, I, I had to keep pausing it because I kind of like, once you see it once, you know step by step exactly how it goes. Like, JJ, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could recount it step by step just after watching it one time, you know? So this yeah. is my second, oh. and uh, it wasn't bad. Okay, not bad. <laughs> not like the most high-flying uh, phrase, but thing. not bad. Not like Cruel Intentions. I sh- they should put that into uh, the movie's promotions. Not bad, quote, <laughs> Melly. <laughs> All right. What, what about you, Keith? No, yeah, this is uh, my second time uh, seeing this movie, and I probably rented it. I, I also was excited to see what he would do after Traffic Thunder. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, this was also a good trailer. Yes. Because, Probably. Because I, I remember, if anything, the cinematography for this movie is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, like, one of the big points of this movie. Uh, I kind of... it's. I remember the feelings that this movie gave me instead of the plot. Like, I always forget, even though I watched this movie last week, I had to remind myself that Pat Oswald is in this movie. But I remember right. how I felt. I felt how I remember how I felt watching this movie, and it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's a very, it's a very sentimental movie, and I really appreciate the kinds of messages they're trying to put out there. Uh, but they are a bit like, um, like it's a bit hammy, right? The, the way they try to sanguine a bit. A bit. A bit. <laughs> it's really hammy. Mm, taste of ham. Just a little bit. Yeah, right? Um, I can still taste it now after watching it. But uh, I was just thinking, I, I really appreciate what this movie's doing. But I think at times, there's just some things that just don't work, right? Like, not everything works in this. And, like, for starters, I really didn't like the way they did some of these daydream sequences like it didn't really work a lot of those for me and in fact it kind of took me out of it i'm like okay i'm kind of interested in the story and the setup but now we're having like these sort of action movie fantasies that he's having in his head but like tonally like it makes me not take it as seriously because it's kind of especially the adam scott one. Oh, that one went on for way too long don't yeah. let us not forget benjamin button Oh, yeah, the Let, weird let's parody. Let's not forget when he is a man baby and says, I bought this suit in a doll store. Yeah, like that really hit and miss with the with the comedy and those daydreaming sequences. And it was almost as if that those daydreaming sequences were from some like rejected Ben Stiller comedies that didn't quite make it uh, in the 2000s to fruition. So... Damn. Like, because then everything else in the movie is trying to be like a little more serious, and I can understand having these daydream sequences that are like different styles, but they were just done in a way that was just a miss for me. It was like um, too self-indulgent. Well, he did throw everything. I feel like there isn't much of a story here, and I'm kind of curious. I there there had to be a story with 
the old movie. This is based off an old movie and an old short story. Yeah. That 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 they've been trying to remake for ages, but uh, I think to Ben Stiller's credit and also to his detriment, he threw every directing tactic at the book. Like everything he knew, every trick, every style that he knew uh, about being a director into this movie. Right. I mean, he's he had directed before, right? Because he directed Tropic Thunder, right? He, I mean, oh, he directed comedies before, uh, but I, would, I, I don't know if he had directed... Reality Check, nothing like this, but Reality Check is like a, a dramedy, like a indie dramedy. That, But he did that like in 93, 94. Yeah, because mm. yeah. It, it seems like... He again, like when I would see some of these daydream sequences, I'm like, that's more familiar Ben Stiller style with those comedies, even though that's not working in the context of this film. That seems more familiar. But like the the parts of the movie where he was more dedicated to like the the dramatic story and the themes he was trying to explore, like I feel like he was having more success there, and he should have maybe just really devoted himself to the the tone of the more like serious dramatic parts of the movie and not try to like take a step back at times into the more familiar comedic style that we already known him for. Cause again, it didn't work in the context of mm-hmm. this film. I think also like in post there probably was like a lot of heart involved with the directing to the point that like he explained to the editors, I want these moments to not be cut. And that's, that's what it needed. It needed mm-hmm. the timing of editing to like, like in the in the park when they're um, talking to the son and he, they're leaving, Kristen Wiig's like, Kristen Wiig says, "Oh, my son's running out on the street, but hey, I wanted to tell you." Um, and then she goes on for like five more minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like, and the rest of the movie, like I said, I had to keep taking breaks because it was just too much like to sit with. I was like, wait, but I can't we just move on to the next thing? Why is this Adam Scott fight coming out of an elevator? I know. I, I was like, move on from this, right? It was it was like stalling the progress of the movie of a story that I was getting interested in, but then it would diverge and I would then like lose interest, right? As soon as I was getting on board with the actual story, they would lose me with these tangents. I wonder how much that had to be the studio because Ben Stiller didn't really write the script. Like the studio had to be like, we got to like, you got to get people in the seats. Like, make his imagination wild. Oh, yeah. Right. Because and I actually preferred when the things started going away. Yeah. When, when like, it, once once he goes on his adventure and finally starts living his life, uh, that's when it got way more interesting to me. And if anything, kind of the more, like, subtle sort of daydream things worked better for me when it was subtle, not when it was over the top. So, like, when Kristen Wiig comes out with the guitar... And then it inspires him to jump onto the helicopter. That worked for me. I could have I used like that too. sort of like more blending of his daydreaming right. and reality. I think if there Blurs was more the of line. that. Yeah. Blurs that line between what the two are and kind of brings you more back into what he's actually doing and not constantly thinking, is this a real thing? Like, is this happening for real? I, you can't tell until they say his name like five times in a row. Beetlejuice. And then, yeah, and, but like it gets like predictable at times where he, you know, he does like the zoning out for so long, then we come to expect it at certain times. Um, but yeah, if you, if you happen to maybe blur it even more and integrate the story with the daydreams together, that's when it worked best for me. But they only did it like a couple times towards the middle. Um, because it's crazy. I mean, it's, 
once he once he goes on these adventures, I do think that's where it picks up a lot more. And I mean, how often does a movie, uh, an American major film, get filmed in like Greenland or you know in like the unexplored areas or the un, you know, the wild areas of Afghanistan or something like that? That I'll, I was in it for the adventurous parts of it. I thought that was cool. And then yeah, the shots are, are of course beautiful. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Uh, one of my favorites is when he jumps out of the helicopter into the water mm-hmm. and you see the packages just like, and then he's floating up. It was so, so nice. I was watching it on my laptop screen and it looked beautiful. You know, like it's a lot of that. And that one even had a good joke in it. It's just like, you know, hey, we meant to jump on the other side. <laughs> Get the, the, other boat. the other boat. <laughs> yeah. That, that kind of humor worked better. Um, yeah, because it's like a wild. I mean, he's going on. It was like a zero to to like a hundred, right? With with not going on any adventures his whole life, and then going to like Greenland, and then jumping on a helicopter and off a helicopter and stuff without a clue of where he was heading, just following clues. Yeah, I feel like I would have like a nervous breakdown if I were him, just kind of like running through like the um, countryside of Iceland without like a phone or any sort of like way of yeah. contacting anyone. That's like nuts. Well, that's where I'm at right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is all part of Keith's daydream. The ice, Jace. She moves like a woman. I'm Walter. Mitty. Cheryl. Melhoff. Where have you been? Testing the limits of the human spirit. I'd like to climb your hair. Test that out. Perhaps I can contact you. Possibly through my poetry falcon. Poetry falcon. I like that. Do you think if I hit him with a paperclip, would he move? Uh, yeah, I, I thought too, though, because they established that he hasn't had any adventures his whole life. Like, he's on the eHarmony call with Pat and Oswald, and it's like, I've never gone anywhere, and they're trying to establish how boring his life is. But I don't know. He lives in New York City. How boring can your life be? When you live and, and work in in New York, in Manhattan, is your life really that dull? It sounded like, if I remember correctly, and that's a pro- like I'm trying to remember like the plot of it now. Uh, man, it's only been a week. It he he's kind of but he was emo- emotionally like traumatized by the death of his father, yes. something like that. I don't think they explored like that too that, much, but that's like the implication. I, I think the movie said it done enough. It did. It did the movie thinks it did enough. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Right. I, I mean, they they established like the family dynamic he has, and yeah, they have um, what's her name? Catherine uh, Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Catherine She's great. I feel like she's kind of underutilized in this. She kind of just does a little exposition towards the beginning, and she just kind of like is there for a couple other scenes. Uh, you know, like I I always kind of that's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when you have a really great comedic actor who is very underutilized absolutely such a sting and i feel like that's what keith was saying like i wonder what the trailer was like i feel like they must have put her face on this because like you can't mm-hmm. she's not just a bit part she's a big deal to me at least yeah well I, she her her career has like like a little katherine Hahn love her career has blossomed into some well-deserved like she is a well-deserved character actress now. Like she was always like the best. Fr- I remember her in Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. She is like the best friend bartender, and she mm-hmm. always was like the best friend. Yeah, like it's she- amazing what can happen in a decade where she is the sister to a Ben Stiller in like 
a couple scenes to being a Marvel villain. Yes. Well, you know, I, I, every time she does appear in a movie, even if it is like a small bit part, she makes it more memorable just through exactly. like little like you know just weird, being herself. Yeah, the quirky ways she reads the lines, I, I, you know, I find more memorable. Like in, you know, she's an anchorman and she kind of like makes the most of her small part in that. In Step Brothers, she's Step Brothers. pretty. Funny. That's where she came to life. Like yeah. in Step Brothers, she had a larger part in that. And then, of course, like I think most people really got to know her in Parks and Rec. Right, she she was like this this the I guess villain of her season or whatever, but uh, she was she so wasn't funny. One of the Tammies was she? I can't remember her on Parks and Rec. Now I feel awful because I. Oh, love she Parks is and Rec. the the campaign. She's manager. Bobby Newport's the campaign manager for Bobby Newport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And and so I'm rewatching that right now actually. So like I'm very early on still. I'm gonna I'm gonna be genuinely surprised when I see her again. Yeah. It's okay. Season four. Um, four. Season four season she four. comes okay, in. Okay, I'll look for her. No, yeah. she she is such a wonderful actress that like not only her career, but like looking back at her own education, she's kind of one of the reasons why I don't know if I've told you guys this. I'm kinda of looking at grad school for acting. So hmm. she went yeah. to yeah. Yale, I believe, and uh, I started looking into that because that's where she was at, and I really love her as an actress. Study the study the works of like Allison Janney, Kathy Bates, Francis Conroy. Like I like a good character, Margot Martindale and Dowd, Catherine Hahn. I think those are actresses that will work forever. Yes, yep. Yep. absolutely, great careers. I anyway, love <laughs> but you know, her big heart had us on a tangent. <laughs> We we kind of went we kind of went into our we kind of zoned out into another. She, she probably bandage. gets like ten percent. She probably gets like ten percent of the screen time in this movie, but she's gonna get like thirty percent of the time on this podcast, this podcast. episode. Yes, she uh, well deserved. Right, it's just to give her a shout out. But then speaking of Parks and Rec, you know Adam Scott Adam also Scott. in this movie. He plays such a good dick. Also in Step Brothers. Always, always, <laughs> yeah. always, always the dick. And yeah, it's so funny because in my introduction to Adam Scott was in Parks and Rec where he was just a normal guy, always looking at the camera. He was like the straight man for so much of it. And then in this, he is like such a jerk, but in a way that like was hard for me to believe because like yeah. the guys, the guys who are buying this magazine, Life, ironically enough, right? He Ben Stiller, who has no life, works at Life magazine. I get it. But uh the, the, these people who bought life and are basically going to like tear it to pieces and make it profitable, they're like so overly insensitive that it was like hard for me to buy, right? They have that. Um, no toys in the workplace. They have that. They have that like meeting where they're like, oh, yeah, we're really sad that we'll have to fire a bunch of you, but uh, whatever. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, it was like so, it was like way too much for me to take it seriously. Does this, well, to, um, like the over exaggeration of Adam Scott's character, I, I, this thought occurred to me when I was watching the movie, and I, I was like, do I keep this to myself? Like, if you guys really enjoyed this, I could, like, a, I could, a lot of audience members really love this movie. Mm-hmm. Looking at their comments, I, this movie kind of reminded me of like reading like a story time book. Like, you know, someone's reading a book. It, it's kind of fantastical enough. It's like, and then the mean man. You know, flick the stapler at at the Ben Stiller. Like it has that. Like and then Ben Stiller said, "No, I will go on my own adventure." Like it kind of mm. has that. It's I don't want to say like a Hallmark card, yeah, but it's almost like a bedtime story. It's kind of like if you think of those old Frank Frank Capra movies, like It's a Wonderful Life or something, right? You had yes. such of these like old timey like uh, archetypes, it, right? It's a bit fantastical. Yeah, there's a bit of magic realism, I suppose. But and I guess part of that is creating Ish. these sort of more 
um like like lesser developed characters like the like the jerk boss and so forth uh but again it's that's it's a bit old-fashioned for me right i i I wish that maybe they took developing the characters a little more seriously well thought through this too like have you guys listened to the shit town s town on uh like the podcast it's it's kind of just like this storytelling uh the way they tell the story of Walter Mitty reminds me a lot of that. Like you don't, it's a life that you're trying to figure out. You should go listen to it. Cause it's very good. However, I was thinking that this movie, while it's very cinematic and beautiful, it's also very boring and it makes Mm. it hard to watch at times. I feel like I would have liked to hear this better with all of these same actors, but like maybe told through story, like as an audio book or something, you know, like Mm. you listen to, I listen to, um, as you like it with Helena Bonham Carter as the main character. I can't forget the name. So good. Just hearing her voice did it for me. I saw it all. So I I feel like, I don't know. It's just too, too fantastical, too big of a cast. And like, I don't, the comedy just didn't match it for me. Right. And then maybe like a story that doesn't really have that much going for it. Uh, Cause it does kind of like, he does just wander around for a while in, in these like far off places. Cause like, what does it ultimately amount to? He's just looking for a photograph, right? He's trying to track down a photographer. Right. And it's like one of those things where I like totally saw this coming where he had the photograph all along. (laughs) (laughs) It was with them the whole time. You know, it's kind of like the Ruby slippers or something. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was kind of obvious. I mean, this photographer, this very like elusive and like crazy photographer played by Sean Penn, who's essentially just himself. I thought in this movie, doing this guy who goes off into these like ungoverned places and is in- impossible to find or track down. Right? I'm like, this is just Sean Penn. And they just his name, <laughs> photographer's first name is even Sean. Like, yes, his yourself. name is Sean. His yeah. name is Sean. Right. Um. So that I I also found like kind of like at the end of the day, he's looking for this is all over a photograph like. You know, is it worth it? When I went to, I, I, I can't imagine the the first movie in like the 1930s was about a photograph. Uh, but Samuel Goldwyn Jr. One, I don't know for some reason he's like my father made this movie back in the day, and I want to make a remake. And I, and I, like we don't talk about Walter Mitty, the old one. That's like trying to, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to find what's special about this movie what's the but when relevance? i looked at this yeah when i looked at the screenwriter it kind of all made sense how it turned out the way it did and that's not a once again that's not a like a knock or a dig at him because he writes movies like this written by steve he, uh, conrad right who uh the pursuit see. of happiness wonder he yes. he writes these very i call these kind of movies like they're very sanguine they're very you know curl up with curl up with the significant other like you know watch it with the family that was fun right guys that was fun right significant you, other you feel better that, like feel warm you, and fuzzy on the inside after maybe. who needs a, a dip, fireplace yeah it's all about that inspiration porn that's just basically yes. what it is oh, yes no, that's, it's inspiration anytime. porn <laughs> an inspiration poster it's, like a little inspirational quote in front of a sunset of magazines for crying out loud like that's what yeah. it is yeah exactly an inspirational meme in itself yeah did it have to be a whole like film i don't know 
I mean, oh, oh, and one last thing I'll kind of complain about this um, Sean Penn photographer character. He has this moment because he find Ben Stiller finds him in the, like the Himalayas, and the guy has been sitting there, and the shot he's waiting for finally happens. This snow leopard comes into frame doesn't take the picture <laughs> i was like what and the guy's like yeah like i like to just live in the moment like what you're a photographer your whole job is to capture the moment not just live in it do you just you just let like a once in a lifetime million dollar photo just leave because you want it to be in the moment i'm like fuck this photographer <laughs> like they're paying him the big bucks who knows how many other like revolutionary photos he just let slip away he has so uh, thought, he just has so many. He's got a bank yeah. of them. Since, since we're throwing out our gripes, like I, I, you know, now that I think about it, I kind of when he came back from his trip and he goes to Kristen Wiig's house. See, we don't even know these character names. Like we're just calling no. them like Pan Oswald, Catherine Hahn, Kristen Wiig, uh, and you know he has like the longboard. If he just if he just didn't like have an emotional temper tantrum and just like wait like five minutes. Everything would have been fine. Right? Like, you know, he gets upset that her husband or no, the pool or oh, like right. that guy's not even her husband. It's like he, the fr- he knocks on the guy. He knocks on the door, right? And it's like but the guy says, Honey, like Yeah, you know you know, like that's weird, but it I like if you just wait like five minutes, it would have been great to just give the your son the her the, son the longboard in person. But I thought that was really predictable too, because it's like, oh, this is not as it seems. He's gonna get upset, but like, you know, it, it's it seems as if she's going back to him or something. But it's not really the case. So I'm really like a lot of really familiar plot elements. There's something here. There's a fin here, I think. We are traveling through a purple school. Don't fear the purpose. I don't think it's a purpose. Be friendly. It will protect you from the sharks. Okay. Come here. Hey. Hey. Okay. Lots of sharks. Um, very sanguine. Yeah, yeah. But I don't My know. Qu- the, to, when you mentioned like this screenwriter, uh, yeah, you know, like it makes sense. Like the pursuit of happiness. I remember saying, and I think that is a good movie. Uh, but like that one is at least more grounded, and it focuses on the main character and fleshes him out. I mean, it helps that it's based on a true story. But uh, you know, here it's more. It's not so much about the character so much as it's about concepts. Very like yeah. vague concepts very like universal sort of themes and messages uh but because they're like not specific to characters it's hard to really grasp onto it right i can't i can't explain why but uh the pursuit of happiness was like one of my it just happened to be one of my quarantine watches for whatever reason and i'm like oh i haven't seen this movie in a while and maybe i was just in the mood for it and it's the exact same feelings i feel about this movie it's just like i i remember the feeling more than the plot Mm mm-hmm it's it's good but there's there's something stopping it from being great and even pretty good is it like or, or as mel would say not bad like there's something that's okay. stopping it from being like from going from being like really memorable right 
yeah, because you don't want something to be not bad. That's never like it. Def- it definitely is shooting for something that is going to inspire other people to live their lives to the fullest. Sure. It feels like it has though. A lot of people, a lot of audiences in the comments. This is they love this movie, and I can understand. Like this movie oh, yeah. gets like if this movie hits you on the right level, gets you up in the day. Like, well, well, you know, if if you're I, don't know, I guess if you're in the right state of mind, like it is some of it, it is sort of like a fantasy come to life. Like, oh man, I wish I I should too just buy a ticket to like some uh, obscure place and take this adventure on impulse, right? There's, there's a bit of fantasy in there, which I can see the appeal of that. <laughs> Tangible yeah. fantasy. And of course, Why? like we all like Ben Stiller, you know, I, I wanted it to be good. I was rooting for this movie. I'll say that at the very least. I remember seeing the trailers and hoping it would be what it was pitching itself as, because uh, yeah, I, everyone likes to see a comedic actor turned a little more dramatic and and see a different side of them. And uh, I think Ben Stiller has hit better dramatic strides later on. Like I don't know if you guys ever saw on um, the Meyerowitz stories on uh, no, Netflix. No, I've heard about that. That was really good, and he 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 and uh, uh, Adam Sandler have Sand, yeah. have really great chemistry in that in that movie, and that is when you really see the um, a good dramatic side to Ben Stiller. Also, him in uh, an earlier film, The Royal Tenenbaums. I think oh, you see yes. a really good side of him. It's both con- it's it's that's a great dramedy that you see both funny and dramatic um, right. sides of Ben Stiller. But was he right for this movie? He can't turn right. That was his. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he can't turn. He can't turn left. He can't, he can't turn left. <laughs> what is this? Sorry. A movie for ants? <laughs> I had to. And, and I don't. I'm uh, because they've been trying to make this movie forever. Um, like Jim Carrey was up for it, and and whoever was would have been the lead of this movie, it would have been a completely different movie and catered to like, it would have been a Jim Carrey liar, liar type That's movie. That's so interesting. Would have been Yes Man. Uh, oh, I haven't Almost, seen yeah. I think that's why they got Jim Carrey to do something like that. But uh, Jim Carrey, Will Ferrell, I think, I think Owen Wilson was supposed to be directed by Ben Stiller. Oh. Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen was up for it. Hmm. Wow. I don't it seems like they only really considered comedic actors. Um, all comedic, is, dramatic, all comedic, dramatic, dramatic, uh, dramatic, uh, dramatic uh, like all these actors ha- are, are capable of dramatic roles. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. But I'm just curious, like why they were so determined to have a comedic actor in this. Cause then maybe you could have Ben Stiller star in it, but maybe not necessarily direct it. Right. Be- That's. Because- I, th- I think I know why he wanted to direct it. I think I know why he kind of uh, became attached to this story. I think he's kind of his this decade for him. He's probably going through a midlife crisis. Like uh, he did a movie, uh, like a small independent movie, um, where he played like he's taking his son to college, and like all three of his college friends have made it successful. Like you know, Greg Kinnear and Jermaine Clement are like successful people, and he's just like oh, I'm a. You know, he's having like a dad life crisis, I'll say. But Hmm. I think he I think he kind of really connected to the story. 
funny. You said Greg Kinnear, and I've been waiting to hearken back to a little bit of Mystery Men, where Ben Stiller oh. is fantastic, and yeah. he's uh, Mr. Furious. That is, like, my draw for Ben Stiller and why I wanted to watch this film, because that's one of my all-time favorite Ben Stiller movies. Mm-hmm. But the thing for me is... When you're directing and acting in something, there's just this different level of responsibility that you take on with it. And, like, you kind of become the project itself, you know? So Mm -hmm. for him, maybe it was just a lot of pressure from all of the things he had to incorporate from planning teams who have, you know... Uh, this team has done the fight scene for whatever. I, I didn't do the research on who worked on what, but... No, no he didn't have to. <laughs> I didn't go down that road. Um, that's a rabbit hole itself. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I probably... Yeah, I, I don't know who was in his ear, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of like there the, the daydream sequences, right? He kind of has to, like, do his Ben Stiller thing. And I don't know if that was him being encouraged to do that or maybe nobody saying like, hey, like maybe this isn't the right, you know, like not having like an assistant director say like maybe this is not the right tone for these sort of sequences. I, I don't know, because I can I can see maybe when you establish yourself for a certain style of comedy, there's that kind of pressure to maybe bring that with you wherever you go. And that could explain why it's here when it shouldn't have been. I could totally see like a movie studio head like smoking a cigar like there's nothing happening in this movie. Put in another put yes. in another imagination sequence. Smoking a cigar. Like, this movie's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. It's the evil alien from Space Jam who's <laughs> we need well, the, Danny DeVito. The, the Super Saiyan the Super Saiyan fight between him and Adam Scott goes on for like a couple like that's definitely padding. Um and, Totally is. Adam this Scott movie, starts the fight. This is a place that makes it a two-hour. That makes it a, a like the perfect two-hour movie. I think it, it was like yeah, two hours on the really? dot. I think. He, Adam Scott starts the one fight by saying, "This is a place of business, not a place of jelly man toys." Yeah, that was that was the that's right. It was a fight over. The Stretch Armstrong, which, by the way, like even in the real life sequences, everyone is looking at Ben Stiller like he's a crazy person for holding this Stretch Armstrong. I've been in offices. Yeah, but I've been in offices where people were holding way weirder stuff than a Stretch Armstrong. Like no one name names. (laughs) Name names. She named names. I I tell you, like people in an office don't care. (laughs) They're not going to look at you like you're crazy for holding a Stretch Armstrong. It's fine. Jelly man toys. Jelly man toys. Jelly man toys. (laughs) This is a place of business. I don't know. I didn't buy. I mean, the other thing that honestly, Adam Scott, like a jerk, which I don't buy, but also like. The whole the beard kind of bothered me. I feel like that beard looked like it was taped on. Yeah. <laughs> like just rip this right off of this guy. I wonder if that was on purpose. He could have played the good the bad guy in Hunger Games. That's oh. what that reminded me of. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that Snow or uh, Seneca? The... Seneca Crane with the curly yeah. things on Yeah, that's Seneca mm. Crane. He had that going that on. Nerd. Yeah, it was like super villain. I'm like, what? Like you can't just slap a beard on a guy and it makes him evil. As much as I've tried. What's wrong with him? I th- He's got a beard, I also think, uh, JJ. You raised, a, you raised a good point, Mel, about, like, the pressure. Like, I, I imagine he's getting studio right. pressure. I also imagine he's uh, the pressure of – he. the last film that he di- directed and starred in was – it was Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. And to me, that movie is still, like, one of the best comedies, at least of the 
all tens of the past 20 years. I think, How I think do you... Tropic Thunder is great. I think that uh, Ben Stiller's like high, like the 2000s were great for Ben Stiller. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, he had his frat pack, right? Or he, him and his like, you know, like Will Ferrell, Owen Wilson, and Vince Vaughn and all these guys were making all these really great comedies in just the span of like, uh, you know, from like 1999, 2008. Like, you know, they were like the definitive comedy cast yeah. for so long. And, um, you know, I feel like pretty much every movie they made was really funny. Even the ones that weren't as memorable were still, like, like fun to watch. Keeping the Faith. Is that the 2000s? I don't know. I'm looking it up now. But also a very good Owen Wilson Ben Stiller movie. Which one? Keeping the Faith. Oh, I don't remember that one. Oh, yeah. Wait, you Keeping got, the so, Faith. Isn't that with Ed Norton? So a rabbi. Oh, shit. But um, Owen Wilson, like, I think, is also in it. I think it's he, Ed Norton and Ben Stiller. One plays a priest, one plays a rabbi, and they're both going after Jenna Elfman. Fall in love with a woman, and that is the that's entire a, that, synopsis. That's of on the whole Comedy movie. Central at like one p.m. And I'm so like, good. it's one of those. It, it's so good at that. JJ, it, you would love it. It's actually a pretty good movie. Mm. You would really like that one. Oh wow! But uh, <laughs> Ben Stiller also directed. He directed Zoolander. Is that correct? Did he? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. He directed that. I mean, that's one we could also talk about another day because that's. I believe that's also divided. Uh, and that's, I don't know. I, I absolutely love Zoolander. Uh, that might be my favorite uh, movie of his. I mean, it's tough because I also love Dodgeball and Ben Stiller's hilarious and Dodgeball uh, and Tropic Thunder. I think was maybe the peak of like, or the last hurrah, I should say, for like the frat pack before, say, like the Seth Rogen crew took over, right. being like the main comedy crew. The the Seth Rogen gang came in and flipped some tables. <laughs> they took over. <laughs> they they yeah. took, they took over the torch, and uh, yeah, there you have it. Um, so then, you know, I I don't know how good the 2010s really were for Ben Stiller. I feel like he had like a lot of flops in in this decade, unfortunately. Um, maybe one or two sequels to Night at the Museum. <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, he was uh, the uh, Zoolander too, definitely. Oh man. Zoolander Ooh. 2 is – I'm sorry. I love the first Zoolander, but the second one is so bad. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Now, to Ben Stiller's credit, I feel like he progressively has gotten so good at directing because we mm. have all of these movies that we really love. And the last one that it says that he directed before upcoming projects was Escape at Danamora. Did you guys see that one with Oh Patricia, yes. Was it Patricia Arquette? Yes. Yes. So good. Uh, one of my favorite dramas probably in the last like five, ten years. It's a it's good so seven fun. episode like miniseries. And uh no, I forgot that he directed that. And like I I just think he's going I think he's going like like I don't know exactly what's going on with his personal life. I think, you know, the passing of both his parents. Mm. Um I I, I just think it's just like you know, try yeah, trying to do Zoolander too. Maybe this movie was supposed to be bigger for him. Maybe like I think it has moderate yeah, success. success. It does. I mean, let's see. Did it did it make money? Um, let's look eh, at the like ninety here. million budget, one hundred eighty eight million box office. So I I I, I, I don't want to. Sh- this is not me us shitting on Ben Stiller by no, the way. No, I mean like he, I said, he, we, we lo- like I don't see this as that. I see this as like like. I like comparing one decade to another. Like he has definitely earned his right uh, 
in like the comedy hall of fame. I think oh. Meet the Parents is uh, oh. like one of the best comedies ever. Meet the Fockers. I really like that one too. <laughs> uh, I I agree. I think you know he he's made a lot of he's made and been in so many great comedies. We'll always go back to super rewatchability. You know he had like I said that that great decade for him and his crew that uh, will always cherish those movies for sure. And you can't take that away. Um, no, it, but you know it just. Uh, I think with a movie like this that the critics did point out is like the, this movie does not have that much substance. You do have to bring out every directing technique that you know. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that it, can save it in some and can save it in others. To me, I just felt like, was there enough at stake? I don't know. I know people's jobs are at stake, but I feel like because the characters weren't fleshed out, there just wasn't enough investment for me to really care. I, I get like the, I, I appreciate the message, go live your life. But um, yeah, do I really care if these characters lose their jobs, which is ultimately what happens? Not really. The 2000s really were like such a good period for him. Mm-hmm. Just and like... who knows if, if, if this movie, Walter Mitty was what it set out to be. If it was this like really uh, resonating um, drama that hit with everybody, critics and audience alike, then maybe we could have seen a turn in his career and he could have really doubled down on right. maybe being a more of a dramatic actor after that. Who knows? Because I guess I, I, he's had the chops for that. And he tried again in the in the one that you mentioned, which the name is... The uh, Meyerowitz Stories. Yes, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like he's not going to give up on it. You know, he I shouldn't. Think, I think Walter Mitty is definitely a dramedy in its own thing. You know? Mm-hmm. More probably comedy than anything because there were just, it was too jokey for a straight drama. There were just too many like Boy. awkward little moments that didn't need to be there. And yeah. Sometimes it's I, comedic, sometimes not. It almost seems like it wasn't sure what right. if what tone it was going for at times, um, and then almost at some points it was like thrilling trying to be like a thriller like when he runs from that volcanic eruption i'm like what is going on now this is a disaster movie all of a sudden um which to me was actually a little frustrating because this guy is like the guy who saves him in the car he pulls up to ben stiller and he's like even if you don't understand what he's saying clearly you need to get out of there (laughs) the guy is saying like in icelandic like we need to go we need to go we need to go and Ben Stiller's like, what? What are you saying? What? It's like, dude, just get in the car and get out of there. Because clearly something's wrong if there's sirens going on. There were sirens for the volcanic eruption. Uh, I don't know. That whole sequence was like, again, like, do we need this suspenseful scene where he's outrunning, like, the destructive, like, pyroclastic cloud of a volcano? Like, no. How, I, they must have gotten a good tax credit over there. <laughs> in Iceland, I I, I I bet I bet you they did. Come to me, in Iceland. Uh, I'm sure they probably Greenland. <laughs> oh, but you know, I guess I kind of yeah, it was Greenland and Iceland. I one sequence, uh, I guess I kind of liked was when he did the skateboarding down the windy road with the rocks, but it didn't really amount to anything because then that car pulls up. You could have just hitched a ride with that guy. <laughs> so yeah. you just get this like scene where he's. I guess it's the payoff for knowing he's he knows how to ride a skateboard, but it didn't really amount to much plot wise. Well, the music did I think, for me. That was about it. <laughs> a lot of arcade fire in this. Uh, at least two songs I recognized. I thought that was very like I could see the trailer 
I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the trailer, but I, I bet I think the Arcade Fire song was the trailer song. I think so. Yes. Ha, ha, ha. And, but like him running slow, uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a trailer shot. Oh, absolutely. You can spot this from a mile away. And in the moment of the movie, it was like way too cheesy. It was. It was like some. The music was great. It was sometimes misplaced. The mm-hmm. part with Kristen Wiig was like beautiful because it was so oh. organic. Yes. But the rest was like, what? Why am I supposed to feel? I'm, this is. I'm supposed to be inspired right now. Okay. Okay. Now I got those goggles on. Now that you told me that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes. Excellent it's like, use of Major Tom. Yes, space, yes, space, yes, space yes. Odyssey. Uh, that was yeah. That was the best use of music. That you're right. It it worked in that moment. That to me is probably the best moment of the movie. Is when he imagines Kristen Wiig with the guitar and he runs out into the helicopter. That all was probably like if the what the best combination of everything the movie was trying to do at once. Like that's when it actually clicked, but didn't really click at any other moment. Everything else was pretty disjointed for the rest of the film. So that's too bad. I mean, Kristen Wiig, I thought was a good casting, right? Uh, just a couple of years off of Bridesmaids, and I don't know. I feel like she does play a good sort of. Um, I just I feel like that just worked as someone for Ben Stiller to pine over. And, yeah. You know, because she there's something about Kristen Wiig where like yeah she's really funny and goofy, but she could also be like kind of sexy, and she kind of has like an it factor. I feel, you know. She's uh, a good on So I, I think she worked like. She was she was like the perfect casting choice for that part. I like it when she's not weird. And granted, she's funny. I like uh like she like uh her her as Barb is funny, but I like it when she's kind of like like skeleton twins playing an actual person. Yeah, cause she's she's always still a little quirky, but in a very relatable way. Right, you can tell like she's kind of like this the the stand-in for the audience sometimes in these scenes she has with Walter when he's like zoning out and she's like, "Uh, what's going on? Are you alright, dude? Like, is everything okay? Where do you she, go? That's yeah, her life. Yeah. Where where do you go, Walter? She was very understanding of him zoning out because I feel like most other women would kind of just slowly back away. Like hello. <laughs> like uh, uh, okay, see ya. This guy, I met him. He just totally spaces every time I'm with him. Yeah. Stares at me from afar, gives my son Rules a little bit. What's going on? Where is everybody? El Cos! Come on, El Cos! El Cos! Yo! El Cos! Yes. What, what does that mean? Erection! Erection! Erection? Erection? Yes! No! Eruption! Eruption! Yes! Now, what was the, the last shot of the of the magazine exactly it was a sh- the, oh like the last cover yeah did sean penn like s- was sean penn like spying on ben stiller he was creeping on him that's for sure he was creeping on him but it wasn't it wasn't the scene before when he's like looking for the piece right it was yeah no, it could have been it right? w- this this i think was sometime before because it looked like this was when ben stiller it looked like he was the picture of him that makes it to the cover the picture that he's looking for the whole time that's of him that he has the whole time is of him i think like sitting on a fountain or something and he's looking at photos like hmm it's like okay, a very yeah. like um candid photo although i don't know if anyone would examine negatives in broad daylight in, <laughs> in front of a fountain <laughs> doesn't seem like a good idea 
doesn't seem like a very smart place. No. no, but Ben, like, I would have been like, it. I was asking him, like, did he, was Sean Penn like a fountain away at like a table, just like I. There it is. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got I'm going to get you, Walter. I'm going to get you in a photo. And I'm going to hide that photo in a wallet that I send you. Uh, as much as I find Sean Penn to be an ass, he, he kind of worked in this movie. I agree uh, with that. I fully agree with that. Right. Um, but in, I, the, in the capacity that he was in. Yeah, but I liked it. I, thankfully, it was a limited capacity. <laughs> uh, but also, I didn't totally understand the whole thing like where – his mom talks to Sean Penn's character like they were chatting in a in a grocery store or something like they were like he, No, he came over. Oh, okay, he came over and he was and just took a picture of the 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 piano, the chip piano. Right. Oh right. yeah. And the reason why Walter didn't realize is because when the mom was telling him he like totally spaced out. Which is Ha-ha. interesting. She did tell him. Haha. She she did tell him. And he, like, spaces out so much that he can't even hear what people are saying to him. Which Yeah, that's an illness. That's right? not good. Or that's like, uh, yeah, that's not good for somebody. Well, I don't know. It's kind of like how a lot of times when people are on their cell phones, sometimes they don't really, <laughs> like, they're totally oblivious to their surroundings. So it's kind of like that. It's like he, instead of going to his cell phone, he's going in his own head. But the result is the same. He's totally oblivious, right? It's like some people, if they're on their phone, you could say, you just won a million dollars. And they're like, well, yeah, okay. They won't even respond. They don't even move. They don't know you're talking to them. It's crazy. The world we're living in. (laughs) I'm so excited to get back into socialization, you guys. I'm so so excited to, you know, for people to, to be able to get together and, Ignore each other and, and be socially anxious at the same time. <laughs> ignore again. each other in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we pay attention to each other more now than we did like pre COVID. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. <laughs> What's it going to go, be like go, now? We can go back to uh, being distracted by, uh, on each other's phones in social situations. In, in person. Yes, in person. <laughs> in person, physically in the same room. Exactly. I don't know, but did this movie inspire you in any way? Did this does this movie inspire you to live your life to the fullest? And there's even like when when Ben Stiller gets on the plane, there's even the actual words, right? Instead of like put your seatbelt on, yeah. Uh, with Arcade Fire going, it's like we were meant to connect. I see and, it and I hear it. I'm there. Oh, like that that was too much. I don't need like the words in like the screens and, and the safety signs saying it, that was, I don't know. That was a little too much for me. I know these movies exist and I'm happy people do get like a feeling uh, like that inspiration feeling out of that. And maybe I, maybe I did watch pursuit of happiness just to be like, maybe I want to be inspired, but I remember watching soul around Christmas time. And I think that's an excellent movie, but it, it those movies don't i don't go to movies for like that kind like i need to i need to be inspired inject me with two hours of inspiration porn i don't it's like equivalent Mm. to it's equivalent to like i want to be inspired so i'll spend a whole day watching inspirational like reading inspirational quotes right or watching inspirational videos it's like kind of like that yeah coffee table book full of inspirational quotes or just do it do it just do do it it. Page after page, just do it with art. 
Was that a Starsky and Hutch reference, Keith? Yeah. Do yes, I, that, I thought that's a movie I really enjoy. That, do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. That's the best. That, the one quotable line from that movie. Um, yeah, you know, you know what I get? Into? I get inspired by other things. Like I don't know, my my go to for like just quick cheap inspiration is YouTube videos of America's Got Talent auditions. <laughs> Like these people who have sad stories and then they get on there and then they get the golden buzzer and it's like really dramatic. Like that's, that's my like quick, cheap inspiration. Like, okay, I got it now. Whew. Okay. I feel Susan Boyle. I'd hit the gold buzzer for Susan Boyle seeing wild horses. <laughs> okay. That's inspiring. I, I, but I, I think, I think in that capacity, but I don't, I think if you're going into I see this on Reddit sometimes. Like people go, like, "What are movies that I I need to be inspired? What are some movies?" I think if you're trying to find a movie to inspire you, I it's like if you're looking for it, it's not going to happen. Well, inspire you'll in get what a way? movie that's not bad. This is such uh, a yeah. Like, what, in, in what capacity? Yeah, like inspired to what? I guess this inspires those. This is maybe inspiring people to like go on adventures or something. But I don't know. I feel like there's maybe better movies out there to do that. Um, you know, if you want to be inspired to, I don't know, it's just, it's so, it's such a vague concept for me. I need this to be a little more specific. That's, that's what I need well, to. I would also like to see his financial situation. <laughs> like, you know, highlight, uh, like, I think that's what, He's totally I don't think screwed. people consider that. I don't think people consider that when they're planning out an adventure to Iceland and Greenland and if they, if they want to, I think they, they do that. They show like he, we wound up like spending just on the Iceland Greenland trip, like, three or four thousand dollars in just a couple days and oh man when he goes into afghanistan there's the one part where he gets held up by like warlords with machine guns <laughs> like uh no thanks right that's not the inspiration i want <laughs> it's like Thank oh you. wow yeah that that really is uh inspiring me to go on a similar adventure and he like snuck in t- he's going into like like Al Qaeda territory because they yeah. go like how the hell and he and the movie tries to get by with the joke it's like they love my mom's cookies. He oh yeah, it. the cake, right? It was like oh, the yeah. cake. Oh, like the they Clementine gave the warlords cake. the cake, and they're like, yeah, great cake. All right, you can go. I, <laughs> like what? Like uh, the the writer in me can see like okay, how do I get from this to here? And I could hear every like he can the writer could probably hear every voice going like how did he get like who cares? They like the cake. I explained it in another scene. Who doesn't like the cake? Just move on. I guess. That's, I could hear that. But why I make it so that. difficult? I guess this guy's hard to track down, but I, it seems like the movie makes it more difficult for itself than it has to. Are photographers really that, like, beholden to, that, that like, you know, we, we have no idea how to reach him? We don't talk to him. They wouldn't work with him. I don't care. Like. I don't care how good his photos are. If this guy is like totally untrackable, like how why how do they even like hire him in the first place? Yeah, just get any Leibowitz. Oh yeah, there like, you go. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so I think you know Walter Mitty. Oh, I, one. I guess one last thing we can talk about. I guess we mentioned Patton Oswalt, but did that really make any sense to you that Patton Oswalt's the vouch, it vouches for Ben Stiller's reentry into the United States? Which, by the way, that whole sequence of him getting tackled by TSA, done in like the X-ray style, like that didn't really work for me. And like Patton, how does Patton Oswalt? How do you contact Patton Oswalt to come and get him out of like 
customs. That, they needed that a was they needed a Deus Ex Machina in that situation, and that came in the form of Pat Oswalt. That's my yeah, only I love, guess. I love Pat Oswalt, but like what? what <laughs> that, that, Literally of the machine of the cell phone machine. <laughs> they yeah. did kind of. I kept watching. I I kept saying like why. I mean, they're using Pan Oswald's voice, and Pan Oswald's popping up at least like three or four times, calling. He's like, "Man, I can't stop thinking about your your profile." <laughs> I can't stop uh, thinking about you. And I'm like, "What is the what is the end game to this?" And right. it should have been just behold, the, it should have just been the opening sequence that that first conversation should have been it, and it should have just been a cameo from Pan Oswald. But they really drag it out. Apparently, Walter Mitty gets great reception in the like ungoverned territories of the Afghanistan mountains. And again, he comes out at the end to bail him out. And it just kind of is indicative of the whole movie to just do things over and over way too much. Right. It just kind of like, doesn't know when to pull back on its ideas. It, it, it did have one line that like when I think Pan Oswald was like, you still having those uh, fantasies? He's like, not so much now. I did go like, okay, that's, why can't we have more of that? That was excellent. That, that's it. We needed more of that this whole time. When are you gonna take it? Sometimes I don't. If I like a moment, I mean me, personally, I don't like to have the distraction of the camera. So I think now we can, you know, get into our final assessment of the secret life of Walter Mitty. Uh, so I don't know. After all this, how are we feeling? Are we? Uh, I, I guess if we feel inspired, but you know, uh, let's see if what the what the percentage is. Uh, so Mel, what what is like your final take on this movie, and what's your percentage of approval? That's a great question. Uh, it was not bad, as I said. Um, however, I didn't hate it. Love the cast. Just the fact that the second time through, I, I'm a movie fan. I love watching movies over and over, just like you guys, and memorizing shit that happens. But I had to stop every 10 minutes sometimes. Just like, what? What is going on? And the fact that it couldn't sink in for me to, like, survey it enough i'm gonna give it a solid 45 percent okay 40. okay gotcha uh, i feel that um if you were to ask, like if you were to ask me last week or like a couple days after i watched this movie i probably would have sided with like the audience score uh like i would have given it that full 71 like i get it i think that i think it's appropriate i remember like it, it had that really good feeling to it. It makes me feel like I could do something. Then you know, two weeks out, I, I'm, you know, I I still remember how I felt, but I can barely remember or care to remember anything else. But it, but to echo Mel's sentiments, it's not bad. There's a lot of good things in this movie, and it's like a movie to. You know, you haven't watched this in a while. Cozy up with the family or your significant other, and you will walk away going like, oh, "I enjoyed that, right, love?" Um, sixty-four. Sixty-four. Okay. Not bad. Sixty-four. Not, Not bad. bad. 
Um, you know, I think ultimately the the biggest problem I have with this movie is that it could have been a lot better. It seems like there's a lot of potential. Like the cast is really good. I like the ideas, but uh, ultimately, you know, it couldn't really execute those ideas very well in like an interesting or original way. And I think that's a shame. I kind of like really get disappointed when you could see that there was something that was a lot better somewhere in there, but it just it just didn't get there for whatever reason. Uh, so I'm kind of siding more towards where Mel is on this. Um, so <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I would give this like a, I'm feeling like a 49. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, it's like not quite, oh. not quite. It's like in the middle of like it's not. It's like obviously not terrible, but not bad. It's, right. It's to me, it's like disappointing is the best way I put it. You want I want it to be so much better, and it just didn't get there. So what is what is our average, Keith? We are a bunch of critical critics. It is fifty two point six. So we are kind of very in line with the critic score. Oh, right, right there. It was very close. Okay, so it is no secret that on the secret life of Walter Mitty, we are siding with the critics. Which actually, by the way, I guess this his secret life are his like fantasies, right? I guess, but that's not really his life. I feel like that title implies that he's kind of like a, a second life that no one yeah. knows about. Yeah, yeah, it's I secret agree with that, right? I feel like the title even is like kind of a bit of a mess too. You're like who? Uh, we still love you, Ben. Yeah, we still love you, Ben. We still adore you, we and Mr. Furious, you, ben. and uh, just you know, I'm putting my two cents in now that we're talking about Ben Stiller. That I want to do Mystery Men with y'all. Still mm. want to. Thank you said that the last time. We can maybe do like a bonus episode on just Ben Stiller and talk about like our favorite movies from him. That would be really know? good. What have you done, Derek? Nothing. You've done nothing. <laughs> this that's my 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 favorite Ben Stiller movie, Zoolander. That would be my pick. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that, we'll put that one down uh, for a future episode for sure. But uh, thanks, Mel, for, for coming back on the podcast yes, with thank us. thank you. It's, it was a pleasure once again. Oh, and I, I did want to ask you guys before before we end this, what was the uh, the selection of this movie in particular? Just that it was divided? Or is there something that you were like, let's do it? Well, you know, yeah, I, I, I discovered it was divided. Uh, I... I, I don't know like exactly when this movie popped into my head because usually when we figure out when movies are divided, it's just like we think, oh, what about this movie? Is it divided? We look it up and, you know, we'll see if it is. So for um, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, I think I probably just came across it maybe one day on either TV or on, you know, a streaming service. Probably or like newly and... available, Walter Mitty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's been on Hulu for a while. So uh, that is... What gave me the idea to look into it? And lo and behold, here we are. He's very good at picking out the movies and the guests with the movies. If we're thank keeping you, this sir. in, <laughs> if we're keeping this thank, in, thank, thank you, love. Aw, thanks for having me, you guys. You guys are the best. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks again, Mel, and uh, you know, wish you uh, best yes, luck thank you. with your film. Thanks, appreciate uh, yes. it. Definitely keep us posted. Uh, you know, we wish you all the success with that. Totally will. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, and we'll definitely uh, think of you again for future episodes. You got it. 
So um, Ben Stiller esque episode. Hey, I'm there. You're our Ben Stiller correspondent. <laughs> any day, any day. Sounds good. Okay, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and join us again for another divided film. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you.